This message was recorded during a live service at Temple Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Thanks for joining us as we love God, share life, and serve Christ. A few weeks ago, I, well, a couple months ago, I started preaching through the letters in Revelation to churches. I, I did that because I was asking God to use his truth to churches, which is sometimes a little bit different, maybe not different, but bigger than his word to us as individuals in churches. Uh, last year, through 2019 and 2020, I, I felt very led to preach through and did often preach messages from Romans chapter 12. And as I, as I step back from that, I realize these were messages, these are verses that are aimed at individuals and churches telling us how we should live. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Live a life of love. Uh, use your gifts. Uh, realize that uh, that, that God is going to be at work and there are going to be enemies out there and he's going to use you. Uh, those are things, themes from Romans chapter 12 and they really were challenges to all of us as individuals and that, that's often the case in scripture. Uh, but as I stepped back from that, I thought, Lord, do you have something to say to churches that is somehow a bit different than you might say to individuals in churches. And I, I was drawn then to those seven letters to churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And you know that I then took each letter at a time and looked at it, talked about it, we looked at it. And as I, as I came to the end of that, it, it struck me, I just, I, I don't know, I'm sh I suppose I've heard this from somebody, but I don't know who, that I am, I'm very confident that all of those churches received all of those letters. So in a very real way, Jesus wasn't just writing one letter to the church at Ephesus, he was writing all those letters to all those churches. And I just am very confident that was the case. And as I thought about that, then it made me ask the question, what might he have wanted us to get from all of those letters? And as I asked that question, I noticed that in all of those letters, Jesus addresses overcoming. He said, I want you to be an overcomer. I want you to have victory. I want you to, to overcome the things that are threatening you. The, I want you to win the battles that you face. And so I thought, you know, let's look at this overcoming thing. Because all of the letters say, to him who overcomes, to him who is victorious, to him who wins the battle, I will do this. And so I looked at all those and I noticed that there, well, it seemed to me at least that there are four threats to churches that those letters address. 
Now, I'm kind of summarizing, and, and I'm sure that somebody else could say things that are just as valid as mine. But as I read those letters, and I thought, okay, what is it that churches need to overcome? What are the threats to churches? I noticed that one threat was lost love. And uh, if, if I were to pick a Valentine's Day sermon to churches, I would pick the letter to the Ephesians where, Paul, where, where Jesus says to John, how do I get Paul out of that? Well, because we had Paul in Sunday school today. So Jesus says to John, you Ephesians are doing so many good things. You have such a handle on stuff. I am impressed but I have this against you. You have lost your first love. The priority of love has gotten lost in all of your good stuff. And I think that's a threat to every church. In every age, no matter what culture we're in, the threat of lost love, going through the motions doing stuff because this is church stuff, you know? You just do this church stuff. And Jesus would say, stop it. Where is your love? That is the priority for my people always. Well, another threat, I think, is the threat of false teaching. And we, we face that threat today just as much as those churches did in John's day when Jesus dictated to John these letters, uh, the threat of false teaching. It's interesting to me that when he talks about the teachings of Balaam and the Nicolaitans, that the best of scholars have no idea what that really means. They do not know the teachings of the, the Balaam, the false teachings of Balaam or the Nicolaitans. And I think that's on purpose because false teaching changes all the time. So the threat isn't just the Nicolaitans or the, the teachings of Balaam. The threat is false teaching that's around constantly. And the church needs to see how dangerous false teaching really is. A third threat is the threat of wickedness, sinfulness. Can a church... Give in to sinfulness? Jesus seemed to think yes. As he warned them, don't let immorality, don't let the, the teaching, don't let Jezebel's influence into your church. Watch out. And then the fourth threat that it seemed to me Jesus was warning them against was the threat of self-sufficiency. We've got what we need. We are strong and we are healthy and we are rich and we have everything we need. And Jesus said, you know, as I look at you, you are poor and wretched and naked and blind. And if you don't come to me for what I can give you, you are lost, dead. The threat of self-sufficiency. Well, as I, as I thought about those threats, I thought, well, you know, another way to think about that is to notice that there are certain battles that we face as churches. Where do we, where do we meet these threats? Where, what is the battleground that we meet these threats on? 
And last Sunday, I, I looked at that and talked about that. And one battleground is the battleground of our hearts, our affections. Where are our affections? What draws us? What, what do we bleed over? What is our heart wanting, leading, drawing us to? If we are not careful, out there will win our hearts and what Jesus wants the church to do will get lost in that battleground of our hearts. Where are our affections? A second battleground I noticed is the battleground of our minds, what we think about. Do we think about the truth or do we think about the newest or the best or what the, 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 the world says or, or the political drama or do we think about the truth that God has told us? Whatever is true, noble, honorable, right, pure. Think about those things. The battle of the mind. The battle of our strength. Does our strength come from money? Buildings? Does our strength come from reputation? Security? Money in the bank? Or does our strength come from Jesus? In the third chapter as he was addressing the church that thought they had it all, but actually they had nothing, Jesus told them, I want you to come and get what you need. Buy it from me. From me. I stand at the door and knock, he told them. You open that door and I will come in. I will be your strength. And there is a battle in the churches that name the name of Jesus to depend on all that other stuff or to choose to depend on Jesus. Jesus. How many times I've thought, if Jesus doesn't rescue us, we're sunk. And how true that is. How true it is. Okay. Well, the, the, those are the past sermons. I haven't got to today's sermon yet. I've got a few minutes. What, what I wanted to say today was, so we face these threats, so we, we, we enter these battlegrounds, but what do we really get when we are victorious? When we overcome, what does Jesus promise to overcomers? Does he promise Better buildings, more people, um, you know, does he promise, um, you know, a, a rich heritage, a college named after your, your church? What, what does he promise to, to those who overcome? When churches overcome these threats, when churches line up on these battlefields and they win the battle, what does Jesus give them for winning he, he, makes, he says, to him who overcomes, he says that in all, all seven of these letters. And as I was looking at it this week, I, I could boil it down, it seems to me, in two things that Jesus promises to give to overcomers, to churches who overcome. He says, I will give this to you when you overcome. 
What does he say he'll give? Well, the first thing he says they'll give is they'll reap the benefits of eternal life. To the Ephesians, he said, he who overcomes can eat from the tree of life. The next church, the second one is the church in Smyrna. He says, to he who overcomes, he will never face the second death. And by the way, that church was being persecuted. The third church he addresses, he says, to he who overcomes, the third church was the church at Pergamum. He says, to he who overcomes, I'll give the manna and this white stone that has your name written on it that only you know. I think he's saying to all those churches, if you overcome, I will give you the benefits of eternal life, the life that is quantity, yes. It lasts forever. You won't die. Jesus said it at the grave of his friend, Lazarus, if you believe in me, you will live even if you die. If you believe in me, you'll never die. That life, that life that never ends, eternal life, it is a quantity, it is an amount, it is a, a lasting life, but it's also, it's also a kind of life. It's the kind of life that God wanted everybody to have from the very beginning. The kind of life he, he offered in the garden. I'll give you that kind of life. It won't end. And the kind of life it is, is what you really want. It will nourish you. It will be with you your unique kind of life. A stone that your name is written on and only you know it. Your life. I, I think about folks who, who search for, for their well, uh, I don't know if, if the most, one of the most recent Pixar movies um, talks, I think it's the movie Soul, sometimes I get them mixed up, but it, it talks about people searching for their spark. I think Jesus says, the stone with your name written on it, it's the name only you know, it's your spark. It's the kind of life that God has planned just for you. Just for you. It isn't manufactured on the, you know, like a car on the assembly line. It isn't imitated from everyone else. It is the stone with your name and it's yours. And the manna and the tree of life and not dying is all yours if you will overcome. The rewards to overcoming are magnificent. They are the rewards of eternal life. Long lasting, but it's also the kind of life that everyone is looking for. And it's the kind of life that churches can experience together uniquely where we live out our unique gifts where we love one another without reservation where we care about what happens to each other and we help one another and we give life we give life overcoming 
Is it worth it? Is, is winning the battle worth it? Is, is, is harnessing your affections, making sure that you have affections for the things of God, is it worth it? Is it worth pushing away the things that want to trap your mind? Is it worth it? Jesus would say, it is worth it. You'll never regret it. It's the kind of life you wanted to find all along and it'll never end. John, same writer, when he wrote his letter in John chapter 5 said, I write these things who believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe. Is there value in knowing I have eternal life? Absolutely there is. Absolutely. One of the rewards for faithful service in God's work for churches is the reward. We reap the benefits of eternal life. And then he continues as he goes on in these seven letters and he says a second thing that is so interesting. I don't think I'm, I really would have expected it. He says, and when it comes time for me to rule, you will rule with me. He says that in, in, in all of the next four letters. You'll rule with me. You'll be by my side. You'll sit on my throne. Can you get that? You'll be a pillar in the temple. You will have a place of permanence. It will not be shaken. You will be with me when I rule, so will you. That's so interesting to me. I, uh, I was thinking about it. We are called into service for Christ as Lord, and when he rules, we will be his ambassadors. We will be his ambassadors. He talks about ruling like a shepherd, but having an iron scepter that no one can break. He says, I will give you the morning star. I will, I'll be the one who comes in and welcomes this new day that I'm going to bring. You're going to help me welcome this new day into the world. He says something so interesting to me. Some of you know that I, I write uh, devotions for baseball chapel and I was reading the the letter where it's in chapter 3 verse 5 where Jesus says I'll give you a white robe and your name will be announced before the father and his angels and it'll be written in my book and I was I was thinking about that and I thought about the first time I got a real baseball uniform to wear and how proud I was, and how excited I was. And every time I put that on, I was a freshman in high school. First time I had a real baseball uniform. And every time I put it on, it was like, yes, I'm a part of this team. And Jesus is saying, I will give you a new uniform to wear. You are part of my team. I, I wrote in the devotion 
to baseball players and others, I said, you know, think back to the first time you put on a real uniform and how proud you were. And now think about how, how special it will be to be part of Jesus' team. Overcomers will be on Jesus' team. Ambassadors, their names announced, their permanent residence, and they'll sit on his throne, and they'll, they'll shepherd by his side, overcoming. Why does Jesus tell us about these rewards for overcoming? Because he wants us to see it's worth it. It really is. Where, where's your battle? Is it the battle of affection? Have, have your affections been drawn toward, I don't know, what, what, what's capturing your affections? Are you looking forward to football? Finally, college football in Fargo. Where are your affections, your heart, and the ways and the things of God's kingdom? Your mind, do you think about what God says about life? Is your strength, is your strength in Him, is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Because He offers eternal life, never ending, the kind of life everyone longs for. And He says, one day when I rule, and I'm coming back to rule, that's what the rest of Revelation reminds us about. When I come back to rule, when that time comes, you are going to be by my side, on my team, a place that nothing can take away from you. It's worth it. Let me ask you before we quit. Are you on his team? <laughs> a white robe. And the name that's written on the stone that he gives that is your name alone. Are you on his team? He said in the last of these seven letters, he said to the church that was basically dead. I'm ready to spit you out of my mouth, but I do stand and I am knocking. And you have a chance right now to open the door and let me in. And that invitation is still ours too. Will you say, Jesus, I want to be on your team. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord, that as we read these letters, as we take them together, they carry a very powerful message. And, and I don't know if I've done much to get it across, but you sure can. And Lord, I pray that we will get it and live it and be the kind of body where we will deal with these threats, face these battles, and one day enjoy the reward of overcoming because of what you have done. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to be notified of future messages from Temple Baptist Church, be sure to hit the subscribe button. If you would like to further connect with us, please visit tbcfargo.org. Until next time, we encourage you to join us where you are in loving God, sharing life, and serving Christ.